Hello, and welcome to Minutes of Metalography, the mother of all metalography podcasts. Today, Fralka Hope joins the podcast to talk about meteorites and how metalography can be used to analyze them. Fralka became a, me- a metalographer at the Lette Verein in Berlin, Germany, and moved to Los Angeles in 1967. After working in the aircraft fastener industry for the next 10 years, she became a failure analysis consultant. She joined the International Metallographic Society in 1991 and now teaches courses for ASM. Of all that Fralka has worked on in her career, meteorites remain her favorite. Fralka, I'm very happy that you were able to join the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, and I'm very glad to be here. So before we get into the podcast, can you talk about your move from Germany to the United States? Like what prompted it and how it went and all that? I thought at that time I had worked a year in in Germany and I thought it would be a great idea to uh, expand my language. I'd always been very poor in English. And so through my father, I got a job here in the United States in Los Angeles and uh, got my green card within uh, six weeks, which was amazing at that time. And uh, so I came here uh, to learn the technical English. I planned to be here for a year. It turned out to be a very long year because Mm -hmm. I realized for one thing, the weather is a lot better in Los Angeles than in Northern Germany. And also uh, the opportunities are quite different here. In America, you have much more freedom uh, to do uh, what you want. I don't think I would ever would have been able to be a consultant in metallography in Germany. It is there much more the tradition that you work for a company and stay there, maybe move to a different one every few, maybe 10 years, maybe something like this. And I have had involvement with many different companies, many different organizations. And I really have appreciated the chance to teach metallography, to pass on the information I've gained through many, many years of working to the next generation. And that has been really the greatest for me. That's a really amazing story. I can't really even imagine like from Germany to the United States, that's just a huge move. I mean, I just recently moved just across the country, but. Yep. One third around the world from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's talk about meteorites. Um, it may seem like a basic question, but what exactly are meteorites? Meteorites are a piece of an asteroid that has landed on Earth. It has uh, there. It has happened in an, uh, or a piece was broken out in an, a cosmic event and it flies through space. Most of them will never get here. Many of them burn up uh, when they enter the Earth atmosphere, but some of them will end up on uh, Earth. Most of them are stony meteorites. And uh, those are the ones I'm not interested in because I'm not a geologist and also they're much more difficult to find. And those make up about uh, 92% of all uh, meteorites that end up on Earth. A smaller percentage are the metal meteorites. And because I'm a metallographer, not a materialographer, I'm really interested only in the uh, metal meteorites. And those make up about 6% of the meteorites that have been uh, uh, coming to Earth. And I think they're absolutely fascinating because to have something in your hand that has been in outer space is absolutely amazing. 
I worked with a metallurgist that became an astronaut uh, later on, and he um, did uh, two flights. We went to the launch. He did spacewalks and so on. And I had one in my pocket for a long time. And he says, to have something in your hand that has been out there and came to errors is amazing. And on also the microstructures are absolutely fascinating. And each of the meteorites is different. So it's really always so much to learn and I really enjoy learning. So when you say metal meteorites, do you mean like higher concentrations of iron in the meteorites? The metal meteorites are mainly made out of iron and have somewhere between you know, five uh, to 50% uh, nickel. Most of them are in the lower range, about uh, five to 10% to nickel. They also have some other minerals in there, cobalt, um, iridium, but only in the PPM range. And uh, one thing that has been found that there is no element that does not exist on earth. So for example, there's no kryptonite in meteorites, but there are minerals in meteorites that do not exist on earth. And that is one way to identify the meteorites. And also uh, because they have been in uh, coming out of the molten core of an asteroid, like just like the core of our Earth is molten metal. But because there is no atmosphere, the cooling rates of these are really, really slow. And that's how you get these very different microstructures. But they are so many variations in the, in the meteorites. So don't think if you have one meteorite, all of them will look like that. They are all very, very different. And that makes it very fascinating. So it, you touched on this a little bit already. What makes meteorites unique for metallography? Uh, for one thing, you can tell quite often from the outside that it is a meteorite because they have like thumbprint indentations, they're called regmaglyphs. And those thumbprint indentations, you can see in the meteorite. If you go to, for example, the Smithsonian Museum, the Natural History Museum in New York or the Field Museum in Chicago, they have a whole collection of meteorites. And you can see those thumbprint indentations in these big meteorites they have. And the interesting thing is in the uh, exhibits, there will be a sign that says, please touch. Can you imagine that in a museum? No. And you can go around petting meteorites <laughs> and they want you to touch them because that way they remove the rust that quite often is produced because it's iron and in the atmosphere it will rust. And so with uh, people touching them, that rust, very thin rust layer is uh, kept out. So that is interesting. And the regmaglyphs change in size, in size depending on the size of the meteorites. The bigger the meteorite, the bigger the regmaglyphs are. And also, as I mentioned already earlier, that the cooling rates are different than any terrestrial uh, steel. I mean, it, the meteorites basically are a steel with um, somewhat higher nickel content, but um, the because of the cooling rate being so slow, about one to 100 degrees every million years. <laughs> we cannot create that on Earth. And so that will create a quite a different microstructure that we have here on Earth. 
I've, but I have to say, I have seen a similar um, Widmanstetten structure, and that is something that is the uh, designation for some of the structures we've been meteorites. But not all of them have a Widmanstetten structure, so there's many variations. But I have seen a similar structure in continuous cast slabs of steel. They were 12 inch slabs and stacked to cool off. And so the center of that stack was very cool, a very slow cooling rate. And there we could see a similar uh, structure with that those, those long needles. And uh, I thought that was very interesting to have something that is similar, but you have to have some imagination to see that. Now you talked about regmaglyphs and the indentations on these meteorites. How do those form? Are those a result of like them falling through the atmosphere? As far as I know, and they really don't know quite for sure yet. There's so many things we don't know yet about meteorites, but that's what the, the turbulence in uh, coming in into the atmosphere supposedly has created those. And they really need to see. Cool. You also touched on before these like pre-atmospheric collisions that, uh, that occur with these meteorites. Is there any resulting microstructural changes from that in the meteorites? Apparently, and as I said, there are uh, different uh, stories about it, but apparently during that uh, collision in uh, space, or maybe later on when they are flying, they're colliding with something, that's how the Neumann bands are produced. And I just recently read that the Neumann bands, and those are um, shear planes uh, in uh, the camasite in the ferrite of the microstructure. And uh, they're very obvious in the structure. And uh, those are caused through those collisions, but they occur only in very cold temperatures. They will not occur in higher temperatures. So, uh, and it's something that really identifies meteorites and makes a very interesting point in the microstructure. They are not produced during the collision with Earth. Uh, I have uh, seen some where actually the Neumann bands were bent, usually they're straight. And, uh, but in, on, close to the surface, those Neumann bands were bent. And I think that occurred during the collision on Earth. So, and the Neumann bands have uh, almost like a twin, a different crystallographic direction, but they have a relationship to the, uh, the, surround, the mother crystal. And so when you do color etching, it does change uh, the color of the uh, structure in the Neumann bands. When I started with me uh, polishing meteorites, I had really not much of an idea what microstructures I would see. And I thought, man, I can't get these scratches out. <laughs> but then I realized after etching, and I realized, no, these are Neumann bands because Corrosion is around those, and you wouldn't have corrosion around my scratches that I created. So that's uh, how I learned some about the different microstructures that are there. So to, just to summarize on the Neumann bands, um, so you know you have the sample, you're looking under the microscope. They'll appear as these like streaks, these lines going through the sample at. But only after etching. Only after etching, but yeah, they'll they're, they'll appear as these streaks. Through the sample and those are a result 
of pre-atmospheric collisions, um, basically collisions that occur occurred in outer space. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. You also talked about the Widman-Staten pattern. How is that different than the Neumann bands? So the Neumann bands are streaks and they occur at, you know, the various angles. Uh, how is the Widman-Staten pattern different? Okay. The Neumann bands are within the uh, camasite, and camasite is the geologic name for basically alpha ion, for ferrite. And uh, so they would be inside the grain, and those uh, Neumann bands change direction if you have different grains. Then you have in some of the meteorites, and I think the Gibeon from Namibia, Africa is a very, very good example of that have these big bands that are the camasite uh, crystals. And they are in a very um, much basket weave pattern as you would also find with uh, slow cooled, for example, 6,4 titanium. There we have that Wittmann-Staten uh, structure too. And it's a very core structure for a metallographer, but uh, it is interweaving. And each of those camasite bands is a different grain orientation. And if you're using color etching, like I'm using uh, CLEM1 uh, color etching for etching these um, meteorites, it really uh, shows the different grain orientation because each grain colors a different blue or brown depending on the crystal orientation. And the Neumann bands would be within the camasite bands and they stop at the camasite grain boundaries. So that's another way you can find out, no, they are not scratches. They are really there. They're very much parallel within each grain. And I read that I, there are 12 different directions that are possible in each of those grains. I have seen probably about three or four different directions within each of the grains. Very cool. So yeah, it, it definitely sounds like there's a really cool aspect, you know, it, meteorites are literally out of this world you know they're coming from yep. space but there's a lot of technical features of, of meteorites that you can get into so I, I think it's really cool that you know you can get something from outer space and still be able to analyze it really in, in depth like that so you know thank you for answering all these questions about the meteorites we are getting close to finishing up but we have one more question today submitted by a listener the question today was chosen from submissions to metminutes at gmail.com Again, that is M-E-T-M-I-N-U-T-E-S at gmail.com. If you have a question that you want answered, please feel, feel free to submit it. Now, Fralka, what is your favorite meteorite that you have ever worked on? There are basically two different meteorites. Uh, there's the Gibeon, which I think has the nicest and prettiest microstructure, but it doesn't have as many features as some of the other meteorites. I have probably, uh, I think I have 14 different meteorites. Best place to buy them is on eBay. <laughs> and, <laughs> but make sure you don't get a meteor wrong. And those are usually slag pieces, things like that. And what I've been working on lately is the old woman meteorite that was found in 19, 1976 in the desert mountains of California. And it's the second largest meteorite ever found in America. And um, I have on loan from UCLA, a very small piece is about one millimeter uh, triangle, 
but it has absolutely fascinating microstructures and I've worked on that now for quite a while. And they also found some shale pieces in the vicinity and we were trying to uh, make sure that these are really from the meteorite. So I looked at this, I found rhabdites in those uh, pieces and rhabdites are not existent in uh, terrestrial materials, only in meteorites. Those are tiny little pieces that are in the microstructure. And then of course the big piece has those too. So that was very interesting uh, to do that. I'm working on a paper on that now. And we did a lot of EDS uh, analysis also to prove that these are really those minerals that have been described in uh, many of the publications. One last question, actually, when you say Gibeon, it was two women, one woman? Uh, old woman. Old woman meteorite. Yeah. With these names, are they are the meteorites named after the places they're found or are yes. they named after something else? They're named after the they're, place. They're, they're definitely found. named after the place where they were found. Okay. If you are interested in learning more about meteorites and Frauka's work, be sure to check out the attached PowerPoint in the podcast episode description. And that does it for this episode of Minutes of Metallography, the mother of all metallography podcast. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Frauka. Thank you for having me. Anytime. If you like this episode, please consider following the Minutes of Metallography podcast. To contact the show with any questions or comments, please email metminutes at gmail.com. Again, that is M-E-T-M-I-N-U-T-E-S at gmail.com. This email is also listed in the show's description. Thank you for listening.